0: I'm Liz, your host and the wife and mom behind unedited motherhood. Together, we'll talk about all the struggles that we face as adults. Nothing is off limits. We'll uncover important truths and maybe even learn some tips to make our lives a little simpler and a lot more enjoyable. Thanks for joining me. Sometimes it can be difficult to find all of your favorite healthy pantry items at the same grocery store or even visiting two or three stores. With your Thrive Market membership, you can find any healthy snack or pantry item you could ever want. You can shop by gluten-free, dairy-free, organic, AIP, vegan, and more. Thrive Market has something for everyone. And not just something, lots of things. They sell cookies, pasta and pasta sauces, salad dressing, nut butter, milk alternatives, granola, cooking and baking oil, coffee, soup, cereal, jelly, sugar and sugar alternatives, chocolate chips, crackers, spices, dried fruit, nuts, and more. In addition to more than 2,700 food items, they also carry supplements, cleaning supplies, makeup, toiletries, and more, all on the natural spectrum. I have been using Thrive for over three years, and I still look forward to getting their boxes in the mail. Every order over $49 ships free, always. In addition, you can earn extra Thrive credit by supporting different featured brands each month. Not only do they have some of the best items on the market, but with your Thrive Market membership, you get these items at a discounted rate, making them cheaper than you could find them at the grocery store. Use my link in the show notes to receive 25% off your first order. On Unedited Motherhood today, we have a gardening expert, Heidi, that is here to join us and share all of her tips and tricks, and hopefully make all of our thumbs a little greener. So welcome, Heidi. Thank you. So glad you could join us in studio today. Me too. Studio studio meaning the corner of my living room, (laughs) (laughs) but nonetheless. Perfect in its imperfection. Heidi is the youngest of three sisters and is from Cincinnati. She likes to travel and likes to play disc golf, and we might get into some of those stories in a little bit. But we're going to start with a few icebreaker questions to get you guys acquainted with Heidi a little bit. So we'll start off with an easier question than I originally planned because it's a pretty deep one. So, which animal would make the best type of president if the animal kingdom ever rises up and takes over?
1: That would definitely be a goat.
0: A goat. Tell me more.
1: (laughs) I just absolutely love goats. There were goats on my great-grandfather's farm when I was a kid. No pun intended. (laughs) And uh, I think I milked my first goat when I was about 12. Her name was Strawberry. She was incredible. She was not mine. She was my cousin's. But equally incredible. Uh, when I was 16, I did some work on a dairy goat farm and uh, helped to groom them for shows. They were, they were show goats as well as dairy goats. And I just are,
0: fell in love with them. Are they relatively intelligent or or no, you just love them?
1: They are insanely intelligent. Um firstly they have these really interesting square eyes that just grab you
0: (laughs) really I don't know that I've ever looked that closely at a goat oh yeah
1: their pupils are like this rectangle shape they're really fascinating and I think they're the only animal that has eyes like that there might be one or two others I'm not sure that's cool uh, yeah they're really cool they're super super smart they're quite literally like dogs without predatory instinct
0: really yeah so great pets
1: amazing pets very stubborn definitely have a mind of their own but that's
0: always going to be linked to the intelligence do you know of any indoor goat pets or is it just like an outdoor pet
1: um there are people that raise their goats indoors especially if really? there's one kid that ends up smaller than the others Aww. or the mom rejects it yeah yeah there i've definitely dealt with some indoor
0: outdoor domestic goats yeah Interesting. Fun. Do you like goat milk and goat cheese? So much. Yeah, <laughs> I love goat <laughs> cheese. I I don't know that I've ever drank fresh goat milk, but I mean, you know, it's, goat um, cheese is really good. I know it's different. I've had goat milk ice cream, and that's funky. It's like goat cheese frozen with sugar.
1: It is. If you're getting so, it's different. Um,
0: I got it from Earth Fair, so I don't know how that's gonna that be. Is. Why?
1: Yeah. Uh, Goat milk has this beautiful and bizarre characteristic of taking on the flavor of whatever container it's put in. Mm. So if it's in almost anything other than glass, it's going to taste a little bit like, you know, cardboard or plastic or metal or whatever it happens to be. Um, The other thing is that it, it loses its, I don't know what you call it, but it doesn't keep the same flavor for
0: for a long time a long
1: time at all i mean it's good for up to a couple of weeks depending on storage conditions of course but it doesn't it, it never tastes the same as it does the first day Mm-hmm. i mean i've had goat milk literally like right out of the goat and it's totally different
0: what's something people seem to misunderstand about you heidi a
1: couple of things Uh, Generally speaking, people think that I'm going to be judging them in some way when I really...
0: Specifically about gardening or just...
1: About gardening, about vitamins, about the way they eat, about political views. Um,
0: Well, those subjects are all so controversial now. Yeah. The politically correct movement.
1: It's It's pretty common that people I don't know very well just assume that I have a specific stance on something
0: even if you do that doesn't mean that theirs is wrong or that they should be defensive of the fact Uh, that you're not on the same page
1: right and maybe it has something to do with me being taller than most people I don't know like (laughs) I really just don't know if I I have some kind of I don't
0: know some aura I'm taller I'm Better than you. I'm not though. (laughs) (laughs) I promise
1: you, I am not. I'm very, very human. Um.
0: Well, I've never gotten the judgmental feeling from you. Good. (laughs) So.
1: The so the the big thing really, uh, people think I have a green thumb. My thumbs aren't green. They're not.
0: They're not. You don't have to wake up in the morning and like scrub them, scrub all the color off.
1: Um. Well,
0: I mean. They're probably more brown. than I they yeah, are green, I do right? a lot
1: of scrubbing the dirt out from under my nails, but I and don't have. They're not green. Fingers and thumbs are not green. They are fleshy and a bit dry and wrinkly, and they have scars on them. Um, but they're not green.
0: Okay, so let's move along to an, one more personal <laughs> question. Okay. Dinner date with three people, alive or dead? Mm. Go. Okay.
1: Um, you know what? There are a gajillion different people I could pick for this one, but I'll just stick with Dr. Vandana Shiva. She's a seed-saving extraordinaire. Wrote... uh, Super prolific writer. The doctor is because she has a PhD in quantum physics, and... um, Yikes. Yeah, she's, she's intense. She also... Um. you have to be in the right mood to listen to her talks because mm-hmm. she while she has an immense amount of positivity there's the understanding of the evils that she's fighting that goes along with that
0: mm, um, Interesting.
1: let's just say she may or may not have any personal feelings uh, about this but I'm pretty sure that Bill Gates hates her with a fiery passion
0: yeah I'm sure
1: uh, One of her first books that I, I honestly haven't read yet, but I'm familiar with, is called Soil, Not Oil. Mm. And it's a really fascinating subject.
0: Yeah. Well, I heard that Bill Gates recently now owns a majority of all the farmland in the country.
1: Um. So what he owns is dead soil. <laughs> Not actually farmed no it's been destroyed by industrial
0: agriculture and it's not healthy so let's move into some gardening talk so we've broken this up into a few different categories for you guys so this information would be um, more practical and useful for you so the first thing we're going to talk about is preparing your garden or your garden space Um, and we have lots of different questions about this but the first controversial question of the night is fertilizer versus compost. So I'm going to let Heidi just get on a little soapbox here for just a minute <laughs> and give composting information for those that want to compost. But also if you have to do fertilizer, you know, fair. fair. there are some ways we can do that.
1: I do have a soapbox about that. I'll keep it brief, though. Um, compost, compost, compost. <laughs> Uh, If you're composting enough and using compost frequently enough and all of the lovely things that go along with compost, you're never going to need to fertilize your plants. Fertilizer is plant food. It's your candy bar. If you are feeding the soil with compost then you will never need to feed your plants because the soil has already done that for you. Okay. I said something concis- concisely. You did. <laughs> I never do that. That was
0: incredible.
1: <laughs> I never do that.
0: So if people decide that composting is just not going to work for them mm-hmm. at the time or... Or if you need a need jump some time To look into, yes. So what kind of fertilizer yeah. is best if we're going to buy fertilizer?
1: absolutely so if your compost file isn't finished yet you'd say it's your first one and you haven't you don't have the funds to purchase compost or you just don't have a big enough yard to have a huge compost or whatever the reason might be um fish emulsion is wonderful amazing stuff um, and where can you get that you can get that through any organic garden supply i know that uh Courtsyard, up on Epler Street sells fish okay, emulsion. So if you're in the local summer. to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're local to Indianapolis, Courtsyard is great. Um, I am unfortunately just now starting to venture into the local garden store scene. Uh, believe it or not, you can actually get fish emulsion at Meyer, though.
0: Okay. And I would say probably online, too.
1: Online, absolutely. And what is you, fish emulsion? You can make your own. It literally just. So if if you like to fish or if you know anybody that fishes,
0: and, and they don't eat the fish, and right? You can eat the fish. Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Um, yes, and I actually ate the sweet potato that that sweet potato slip came off from. Did I'll you? I'll tell you that
0: story later. Heidi brought interested. me sweet potato slips for my garden this summer, which I'm super excited about. They're from an organic grocery store sweet potato. Uh, You can do
1: that now, actually. I started mine a little too early, but uh, it's perfectly good timing now. So how do you create them? If you have a sweet potato that's been stuck down in a cupboard and it's starting to get little sprouts on it, you want to... I just cut mine in half because my sweet potato only had sprouts on half of it, so Mm. I cut the other half off and cooked it for dinner. Nice. And the half with the sprouts, I just set in a little bit of water and it started growing little sweet potato slips. Nice. And when they get about four or five inches tall, you can tear them off. No need to be extra gentle or worried about how you do it. Just take them off at the base and put them in their own glass of water and they grow roots. Nice.
0: So how many potatoes will you get from each slip? Just one per slip? Or is will that create it's, a its own plant.
1: Big sprawling plant. It'll that one slip will it, well each potato will give you several slips, but e- each slip will create its own plant and which is a big sprawling plant. Give it plenty right. of space. It'll put roots down into the ground from where it vines out on top of the soil. Um, along with the roots that are already in the ground and the sweet potatoes grow in the root system they're part of it that's cool and you just pull them up usually after your first frost
0: okay and plant them after your oh after your first frost. oh so they don't bloom or harvest until late
1: right plant them out um we're coming up on our first frost date april 21st so the day that we're recording this we're exactly nine weeks out from our uh i said first frost last frost um and then first frost is in the fall, obviously. Right. In the northern hemisphere anyway. Um and you'll harvest them then. Okay, cool. Yeah. I love sweet potatoes. So back to the fish in walsh and walsh Right, yes.
0: <laughs> you Glad g- you remembered where we were. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh people say I have ADHD. I think I'm a multifaceted thinker. Yeah. Uh fish emulsion you can make your own if it does stink so i'm i'm just gonna put that out there It, it smells fishy um basically you can take like the skeletons and heads of fish that have been caught and eaten the meat off from them and you ferment them in a cool dark place So this isn't
0: much easier to do than composting. This is
1: a stinky farm project. This is not something you want to do in the city. You have somebody called saying, what is that smell? So bottom Um, line, if you want to do
0: fish emulsion, just buy
1: it. If you want to use fish emulsion, just buy it. It is a little bit, it's going to seem expensive, but it is super concentrated. Um, Don't use too much of it. You'll burn up your plants with too much nitrogen uh, So dilute it according to the label. Um, Another really great cheap easy fertilizer would be worm castings or Mm. um worm tea they call it nice and i am not gonna give too many details on where or when i was but i have actually kept a worm farm indoors before and it does not smell at all it is the um secret service of composting nobody's gonna know it's there you can do it under a kitchen sink um i have looked at several different sources for compost worms you do need specific compost worms they're called Mm. red wigglers um my absolute favorite so far as far as quality and customer service and pricing goes would be unclejimsworms.com they are out of pennsylvania so they're not super local But they should be a really great product. I mean, it's a big ball full of very, very live worms uh, in nothing but coco core. So they're super clean. Um, I know people don't usually associate worms and clean. But they clean up
0: after us. They eat your food scraps. So then how do you put that in your garden?
1: Um, There are a few ways you can put that in your garden. You can build... For lack of better terminology, I'm going to call it a flow-through worm bin where basically you have like a a sink or a bathtub type of thing where it has a drain on the bottom. And you'll put a screen between the drain and the area where you'll be keeping the worms. And as the worms like do their business, um, you can periodically put just a little bit of water over the top which is nice the worms like that they don't want to be wet all the time but they do like to be kept damp um, and then that water will flow through along with just a massive load of nutrients that you can then use as a fertilizer for your plants
0: okay cool that's so nerdy and i absolutely <laughs> love it <laughs> On, I'm, I'm like thinking, one. well what was what will my husband think about having worms underneath our kitchen sink? You can also do it on a back patio
1: or in a bathroom. <laughs>
0: yeah. Nice.
1: Or anywhere really. I mean nobody's gonna know it's there unless they find it. Right it, now, if you overfeed them, then that won't be the case. You don't want a bunch of breading food scraps that they just can't keep up with. Right as long as you feed them an amount that they can handle, nobody will ever know it's there. That's so cool.
0: <laughs> I want pet worms, he'll totally be on board with that. He loves worms whenever they come up out of the ground. He's
1: always like, Worm, worm, worms are fantastic.
0: We really like yeah. woolly worms too. I know those totally aren't the same thing,
1: but they're cute though. We anyway. Went- the, there's a farmer's tale they'll tell you uh what the oh, winter's yeah, about gonna the winter. be like yeah. yeah
0: you can see some around some more rural areas of the city like we're in greenwood and occasionally we'll see one but one year when we were married we went down to french lick um just for a weekend got a cabin and we saw hundreds like not exaggerating hundreds they were everywhere we actually stopped in the middle of the road a few times to help them across the road because they're just so cute and fuzzy and they just they just try it's like why did the chicken cross the road you know they're just always crossing the road they're just like in the middle and you're like get out of the road you're gonna die i've never seen a smashed one they always maybe they maybe like maybe they they can survive a tire going over them (laughs) (laughs) if the grooves fall right i don't know but they could be like
1: slugs Slugs can crawl over a razor blade and not get cut. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. Nerds. I'm I'm so nerdy. I <laughs> you
1: know all these silly little facts that will never get me anywhere. <laughs> okay.
0: So I know you could probably talk about this for an hour, but mm. let's keep this next question brief. I didn't know this existed until you were telling me before we started, but cold composting versus warm composting. Right. I think what we all just refer to as normal composting is cold composting
1: everybody has a different normal right um that was for me i i grew up cold composting and and that was normal for me my my dad had a pinned off area behind the backyard fence that uh we would just put all of our food scraps back there anything that was biodegradable um not too much like paper and stuff like that but food scraps mostly primarily. food scraps um rabbit poo really we raised rabbits for meat when i was a kid um really almost anything um yeah anything from like vegetarian critters um uh, any type of food scraps stuff like that it'll all it'll all decompose eventually it you know usually if you google composting because you've never done it before Or whatever your reason is. You're going to come up with all this. You have to turn this. And there are so many different versions that I am not going to give you specifics. You must turn this every so many days. You have to put this ratio of brown materials to this ratio of green materials and Mm -hmm. then there's the confusing at first stuff like coffee grounds are actually green and so is cow manure even though it's brown uh, leaves that fall off from trees in the fall are actually green what that's referring to is the nitrogen level in those things Mm, okay it gets into super sciency super nerdy stuff which is awesome But it's not really necessary to understand all of that when you first start out. So as a
0: beginner composter, you can just throw all your food scraps, coffee grounds, whatever in there and be fine. Yeah, so the deal with hot composting
1: is that you are doing the things it takes to, as quickly as possible, get your compost up to an optimal heat level where it'll kill off disease things and weed seeds and it'll make soil faster that's all fantastic but when it comes down to it if you're worrying so much about your recipe
0: that you're just not even doing it that's where I was at when <laughs> I did my first garden I was like well I have to turn it and I have to have a specific bin and I have to do so much of this and this and I was like ah too much work forget it I think that's where a lot of people are
1: and that's where get to go ahead and get into something i mentioned earlier that it's okay to kill a plant you know you're not a terrible gardener if your tomatoes don't make it right you're you're not like you don't have a black thumb you know you're <laughs> almost and and i mean I say this from a really broad perspective because I, I really like to be inclusive and I do have my own views, but they're not important. Almost any and every world religion says that we were started as a species in some kind of garden. Yeah. So it is... I, and I mean, get all existential and whatever. <laughs> but it is innate in everybody like I don't care who you are there is some part of you that is an amazing gardener and it's really just about tapping into that
0: and that doesn't mean necessarily it has to be a vegetable garden or a fruit garden or a flower garden or an indoor or an outdoor whatever you can find your own grow
1: a ficus grow a ficus I was gonna say
0: it could be a cactus in your laundry room that you haven't watered in maybe like 12 weeks. (laughs) If succulents speak to you, then let that be
1: your love language. If you love to grow food like I do, then that's awesome too. But I mean, everybody's different and there are so many different species of plants. There's absolutely zero excuse And yes, I am being a little judgmental on this one, (laughs) but there is no excuse for not trying to grow something because there is something that you can grow.
0: Well, and I think another popular argument too is that people will say they don't have a large enough backyard or Mm, they only have a 500 square foot apartment and they don't have a yard. And I know you're in an apartment and you're still growing stuff.
1: Yeah, so my favorite excuse that people come up with is I don't have any space. <laughs> and I, I have to laugh and lovingly say, dude, I live in a 706 square foot apartment and I have a balcony that's like nine feet by three feet. And last year I grew cucumbers and tomatoes and lots of different herbs and salad greens. And this year, it's going to be even better. And the reason for that is that I learned from the mistakes that I made last year. Last year, I had a whole bunch of lettuce that just went to seed and tasted terrible. So I had to rip it out because I couldn't eat it in a salad. You know, you're going to make mistakes. That's really a huge part of gardening is embracing your mistakes and just learning
0: from them. Yeah, that's that's hard because I remember doing my first garden and thankfully my first garden was with my neighbor and she's still my neighbor today even though we don't live in the same place. But we had houses next door to each other and we kind of joined our yards together um, and like dug out a space and tilled it and put a little garden that we shared and like, I love it. Co cared for. I love it. Um, And she had done gardens in the past and my mom had gardened a little bit. So I, I mean, my husband had maintained his grandparents' garden for several years, too. So we, between the three of us, we had enough to kind of keep things alive. But it was still, like, I'm so glad I have somebody else to look toward because I was new and it was really intimidating. But also, it was really cool. Like, even if 50% of your plants die, like, when the other 50% start producing, it's just amazing.
1: Yeah. It's, there's nothing like growing your own food. Even if it's just like a part of a meal worth there's right. nothing
0: like it. I love making, um, my husband loves this, like a c- cucumber and tomato and onion salad. And then with olive oil and red wine vinegar yummy, and <laughs> lemon juice. And when I was able to do that with all stuff from my garden last year, I was like,
1: oh, this is so cool. It was very fun. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that feeling. Yeah. There's nothing like it
0: so the last question we're going to talk about for preparing your garden before we get into actually planting your garden is potting mix versus soil for your plants
1: um so that I love that question uh this book that I brought with me to show you um Charles Dowding I almost called him Dr. Charles Dowding he really should be called a doctor uh (laughs) this is the no dig gardening course one book he's an extremely prolific author um one of his books that i have not read yet but i am going to and i'm gonna go ahead and highly recommend it to everyone who's new to gardening i believe it's called uh gardening myths by charles doubting and we'll share that for people so they can cool yeah he's because he's just awesome he goes over so much stuff I'm not even going to begin except to answer your question about the potting soil versus
0: seed starting soil. Is that what you said? Just potting mix versus like soil. I don't
1: know. Oh, like soil from the ground. Right, I guess. Okay, sure.
0: So I... Or just different potting mixes or like your approach on that.
1: No, that's great. Um, Potting mix... Like your regular house plant potting mix that you buy, um, that in itself is actually an extremely controversial <laughs> issue. The majority of potting mixes, and I'm just going to put this out there because more people need to know, the majority of potting mixes have peat in them. Uh, you'll see it listed as peat or sphagnum peat moss or just peat moss that is a non-renewable resource that's being mined um from peat bogs and from what from peat bogs oh, okay and all over areas like the uk there are these bogs these waterlogged bogs um i've never been to one so i can't accurately describe what it looks like but from what i understand fresh sphagnum peat moss grows on the top and there are Are all of these decomposing layers of dead sphagnum peat moss underneath of it? It grows on top of its ancestors. Mm. A lot like people. (laughs) That might have been a little (laughs) grim. But we do. We grow on top. You know, cities get built on top of cities. And forests grow on top of fallen forests. That's really just a fact. Right. Uh,
0: So peat moss. So peat
1: moss. You're getting a glimpse into my multifaceted <laughs> mind. Um, peat moss uh, because what they're doing is harvesting the dead peat moss underneath of the living peat moss and um, it destroys the growing habitat for the living peat moss. and oh, therefore okay. is slowly but surely wiping out all of it if this mining process doesn't stop.
0: Mm, okay. So it's not that the ingredient is bad, it's that it's having a bad effect.
1: It's having an extremely negative effect on the planetary environment, yeah.
0: Things that you never knew and never knew that you didn't know.
1: It's, it's yeah. I mean, I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but that is something really negative that is happening and needs to be stopped and there are a lot of gardeners stepping up and saying I want potting soil that does not have peat moss in it that was going to be my next question is there an
0: alternative
1: yes so coco coir is a byproduct of processing coconuts and it's extremely prolific and extremely cheap and easy really? to, yeah, so easy to produce. Where can produce. you find
0: this? I've never heard of it or seen
1: it anywhere. You can really buy it anywhere now. Um, it, it's kind of a sudden thing. Okay. It's just popped up in the last several years. It's slowly, well, quickly and slowly <laughs> become easier and easier to find. I actually bought a brick of, spag- uh, of sphagnum peat moss. No, I would not do that. Um, I bought a brick of, it's, it's sometimes labeled as expanding cocoa core. Okay. Um it's just like the husk material from right. coconuts that's And you can plant off. just straight in that. Um well you can use it in a potting mix. Okay. So going back to your original question about potting mix, <laughs> Um most of them do have sphagnum peat moss. I've been trying to find some that don't. Recently I've just found one it's an i shouldn't say unfortunately because in a way i do have a lot of love for the burpee seed company um they're big name you know everybody knows burpee seeds um but they have come out with a, a potting mix that doesn't have and it even says peat free on the label oh, okay it does however list quote uh it's not going to be a direct quote, but natural fertilizer mm. on the label. And I really don't know what that it is. Could it could be anything. That could be anything. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I'd like to see
0: some formulation improvement in that department. Um, but still a better alternative to the peat ridden. Better alternative if
1: you care about the planet and most people who are trying to garden do, you know. Right. Um, much better alternative to the peat mix. That said, I, as much as I try, I am not a purist. If I can't find a peat-free potting mix, I will buy the Pro-Mix Organic. organic.
0: Okay. And that was going to be my other question for people that are trying to farm as organically as possible in their backyards or in their kitchens. Um, How important is it to buy organic mix? Um... Is it it like produce that's like ridden with pesticides and glyphosate or is it really not that big of a deal?
1: That's a super valid question. Um, Honestly, just like your food, read the ingredients. Do your best to educate yourself, but don't stress yourself out over it. I mean, like I said about the peat mix, if I can't find – a potting mix that doesn't have peat in it. I will still buy the the ProMix organic potting soil. Okay, it does have a little bit of peat in it. Yes, I still feel bad about buying peat, and I try not to do it. But when you're in a pinch and you really need some soil, because your best friend just gave you this new plant and you don't know where you're gonna put it, you know, you these things do come up and.
0: Life isn't about being perfect, it's about trying. Right, exactly. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to move on to planting your garden. I think we got off to a great start with preparing for a garden. We are over-prepared for our garden. We've got ideas, we've got homework to do, we've got places to look for stuff and things. To that point. (sighs) I'll
1: keep this one short. Start small. And move slow. That's one of the principles of permaculture. Nature moves incredibly slowly, but still accomplishes everything. I'm butchering, butchering some old Buddhist quote or something there, but don't overwhelm yourself. Yeah, that's the biggest I did mistake that, last year. that any gardener makes, and I know because I've done it. <laughs> I've definitely done that. I've made my garden way bigger than I meant to because I had all these seeds. I'm so excited about planting. Mm-hmm. And then, oh my gosh, look at all those weeds.
0: <laughs> right. that And that was my deal. I knew very little about gardening other than how far apart to put the plants based on what I'd read online. And, and I got all starter plants except for my onions, I did bulbs. And then for my green beans, I did seeds. But I had a 34 foot by 34 foot garden in the ground. And it was the same garden space that my husband's grandparents had been using for over a decade, and so it was like I felt like I was carrying on this tradition and I was so excited and I planted all together um fifty something plants <laughs> and then two rows of green beans which was hundreds of seeds and then (laughs) like over a hundred onion bulbs.
1: Okay. So I'm guessing that these were bush green beans, not the type that grow up poles. Yes. They They were on the bushes. Yes. And how long were your rows? (laughs) 34 feet. That is absolutely incredible. Did Um, you have enough green beans to
0: feed three armies for five years? Here's the thing. We intentionally did this. During the period of time that was 2020, that must not be named. Uh, and uh-huh. so the plan was to have yeah. tons of green beans. And my we husband, had tons of green beans, right. like they stocked them or whatever. Like they, he, they used to do the poles mm-hmm. to, yeah, to vine them up. But these actually ended up being little bushes. And we got a massive rainstorm, like within a week of planting our garden and the backyard kind of floods in one spot. Washed all your seeds out, didn't it? Yeah. So we only had like the back one third of both of the rows of green beans, which don't get me wrong. We still had a ton of Mm. green beans because we just like literally had a row and we just seeds all the way down the row. Um, But half of them disappeared. I thought maybe the birds came and got the water and the seeds because it brought them to the top because it hadn't been very long since we planted them. But it was super fun. I had 11 tomato plants. (laughs) Like five herbs, four zucchini, four squash, like eight different pepper plants, Brussels sprouts, watermelon, cantaloupe, and then I'm probably missing some. Did you actually get cantaloupe? My Okay, so here's what happened. We had a groundhog, and it... Yeah drew a path like a figure eight throughout Brown the garden ruthless and it ruined it uprooted about eight of my plants yeah um, and then rabbits ate a few more because <laughs> we have rabbits that live Wascally in rabbits. our backyard. <laughs> yeah so I lost my cantaloupe unfortunately I lost my brussels sprouts I lost my basil and my dill um, and several of my pepper plants and cucumber squash and zucchini plants thankfully I got so many of those that I still had two each of squash and zucchini and three cucumber plants which was more cucumbers than would have fed like five families. See, this is the thing that nobody told me is like, I had three mm-hmm. cucumber plants and I probably picked like 12 a day during oh, yeah. the harvest season. I mean, oh, yeah, and I the had... more you
1: pick them, the more will grow. Oh man. That's what I was going to tell you about those zucchini. Oh
0: really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're kind of getting sidetracked here. Um, but that was my garden last year. That's glorious. <laughs> but it was, because it was in the ground, um, and we tilled because we didn't okay. know that that makes more weeds. Um, I, it would take me over an hour. I mean, probably like four or five hours to weed the entire thing. And then two oh, days yeah. later it would look like I hadn't even touched it. And that was like the most infuriating thing. Yeah. Um, because to bend over for that long, <laughs> it's really uncomfortable. I've done a whole lot
1: of sitting on the ground in the weeds, just pulling up everything around me because none of it was stuff I planted. Wow. Um, And that's why the no-dig method really... You know, when you've done so much and you've put countless hours in, yeah, weeds suck, but the definition of a weed is... um, Or rather, the difference between... A weed and a flower is a judgment. <laughs> right. Um, lamb's quarter is an amazing green. Is that I, a weed? I'm that's saying. a weed. Okay. Uh, dandelions are delicious. Oh, okay. Dandelions, and yeah. really good for your soil. Um, But, you know, if a plant's not growing where you want it, or rather if there's a plant <laughs> growing where you don't want it, then, yeah, pull it out. Right. Um, Cardboard is awesome, though. I was so incredibly stoked when I discovered the tricks of cardboard.
0: So we'll get to that in a second because I know where you're going with that. Um, I have a couple of questions that will kind of lead us up to that. Cool. But where do you decide between putting your plants in a pot or in a planter or in the ground? That's because I know that's like another controversial thing, planters versus ground.
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, where you put your plants really is entirely personal choice. It does not need to be a big controversy. If somebody comes up to you and tells you you're doing it wrong, when it comes to your garden, with certain exceptions, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm sorry, but if you're spraying Roundup, then you're doing it wrong. Um, but... Other than that, you can But I mean, uh, to be to be completely honest and transparent, I've done that. Yeah. You know, there was a point in my life when someone convinced me that I should spray Roundup on the weeds in the driveway and I fell for it and I did it. And I knew at that time that Roundup was like bad for dolphins Right, right. I didn't know all the rest of the stuff that went with it. But if you don't know, then you don't know. Yeah, and you can't blame yourself
0: for. things You can't you don't blame know.
1: yourself for the mistakes that you make, and you can't let other people's judgment get you down either.
0: So basically, you can't do it wrong wherever you want to plant them. Plant them. Yeah. Um, I do know though that some things don't mix well with others and are better. Like I sure. heard oregano. Should be planted by itself. I that's funny.
1: I'm gonna have to look into that. It might be true. I've never heard that one. So, now there is a very good reason to put oregano in the pot that I can think of off the top of my head, and that would just be that it spreads like crazy.
0: That's what it was. That's okay. why. Does it put feelers yeah. down like cucumbers and just kind of like run away? Um, or if, does it just if I'm not
1: put- being absolutely crazy and mixing up my plant families, then it's in the same family as mint. Uh, Um, and, and I don't know if everybody's familiar with the big bully that is the peppermint plant and, or anything that's related to, but it will take over an area. We had, uh,
0: my friend and I that had our mutual garden, we had mint come back the next year.
1: Yeah. It's a perennial and it's a vicious one. (laughs) I love it. I'll, I, I have been known to just let it go and treat it like a weed still, but treat it like a weed that I liked. Like I, I would right. just periodically go out and harvest as much as I possibly could. And that was my method of controlling it. Right. Um, that said, don't plant mint in an area that you're not going to be taken care of for quite a long time because your landlord or whoever it might be that comes along is
0: not going to like you not necessarily gonna like that you did that (laughs) (laughs) okay so we'll move on to what plants should not be planted together um really the only thing now i'm gonna
1: refer to permaculture again because that's what i know it's my school of thought um permaculture has something called planting in guilds and this is where we start to learn and understand the natures between plants Hmm. and and their relationships and interactions Um. say so you have an apple tree and then you plant comfrey under it and you typically have seven or eight what's called support species those are species that get along well with the tree right and each other um the simpler version of that is like planting tomato and basil next to each other um they grow well together is my experience i I can't really say much more than that from personal experience. But the reason why I tried that in the first place was that I heard someone say that um, the smell of the basil deters a lot of bugs that like to eat tomatoes.
0: Hmm.
1: And so I've done some experimentation with companion planting Um, really the only thing I know that you can't plant together is like tomatoes under a black walnut tree and you can still do that. You just would need to be working in raised beds. Um, it's really a lot more about like what does get along well.
0: Yeah. So let's move on to that. What does do well together? Um, tomato and basil do well together. Dill and
1: cucumbers do well together. Mm. That makes sense. It's really kind of, there is a pattern I've noticed, and maybe it's just my imagination, but I seem to have noticed a pattern that things that generally taste really good together yeah, they do probably well together grew together, together, together plants. at one yeah. point,
0: right? And that's why those flavors were combined. Yeah, and
1: dill and cucumber are, are a couple of my favorites. Yeah. And so if you have one really big, viney cucumber plant, you can definitely plant some dill underneath of that.
0: That's a really good idea. And it'll help idea. to
1: keep the soil shaded, so it keeps moisture in, and
0: it just smells lovely. Dill is one of my favorite plants. We had we planted a dill plant, but it got eaten by a rabbit. So
1: maybe I don't like rabbits because I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: really just I, all the things that rabbits like to eat, I find absolutely delicious. That's so funny.
0: We actually thought about doing a fence, like a low. Um, fence around the garden but because we were tilling Mm -hmm. between we're like oh we can't do that so but now in hindsight i wish i would have and i probably will because we have families of bunnies that live yeah so um
1: some really valuable information that i took forever to catch on to is that wherever you are you can contact your local county extension office um And a lot of times the people that answer the phones are going to be really vague about things like pesticide use. They don't like to be controversial since they Mm. are, like, county extension volunteers. They're not allowed to be controversial. Right. uh, Or else they just don't have the position. But they do have set parameters of, like, what will and what won't keep rabbits out. Or what will and what won't keep squirrels out. Or any given thing you're dealing with. Um, Squirrels are welcome guests in my garden. They really don't hurt anything.
0: I've just seen them sniffing around primarily. They'll dig holes sometimes. Maybe
1: do a little bit of root damage. But they're not usually. Now, other people may have other experiences. But in, in my experience they eat the extra sunflower seeds and just kind of hang out rabbits on the other hand and mice or anything like that will come through and pilfer your entire crop yeah so i do have a fence up around my current little garden and uh, i'm not planning on fencing off the new beds that i'm going to be building though
0: right and Do rabbits eat all or most pests, do they eat everything or do they just do like the leafy, which I know if you're starting with planters, especially everything is just leaves at that point.
1: Yeah. So rabbits love to eat young seedlings. That's a favorite of theirs, which is super
0: inconvenient, (laughs) which explains why all of mine, I didn't, I wasn't even able to tell what got eaten at first Mm -hmm. actually, because a few of them I mixed up in my rows and they didn't show what they were yet and i mean you can probably tell from the leaves but as a newbie if it wasn't fruiting i didn't know what it was
1: well some you know that's funny i i have baby artichoke seedlings right now and i'm looking at them they they're still working with their seed leaves or cotyledons that the way they're sprouting to me they look really similar to sunflowers i don't even i don't think they're in the same family huh um, so I mean, not everything, you know, some things look pretty similar, some things look really different, uh, anyway, but if you're ever out in your garden, or anywhere else for that matter, and you see a plant that looks like it's been snipped with a pair of scissors, that's typically a rabbit. Yep. They have really sharp teeth, and they'll just come along and...
0: My green onions came up for a second time, just took like, a month or so ago, maybe a little bit over a month ago, and... I was like, "Oh my gosh, no way! I'm gonna go get some." By the two or three days it took me, by that time I went down there, the entire row, which was over fifty of them, because I planted a, but I planted bulbs in a thirty-four, you know, foot line, like an inch apart, right, or six inches apart, whatever you're supposed to do. There were a lot, um, but all of them looked like a pair of scissors had just gone straight across. And I asked my friend who lives, you know, in the apartment next to mine, and helped me with the garden i was like hey did you already go out and get some of the green onions she was like nope and i was like dang it <laughs> it's probably the bunnies but i didn't even see him do it and they annihilated oh, an entire fast. row of them
1: they're fast they're really i mean like, do they well, eat you all know the way what through they say them, about they rabbits them um i don't know what they do they <sighs> they have teeth like scissors and they just they uh, multiply quickly and they eat quickly but they're so cute fun fact about rabbits their milk is the most nutritionally dense milk of any mammal is that as far true? as I know I didn't even know it's they at helped. least on the top five yeah they're mammals um that's so cool other thing is sorry for my vegetarian friends but nutritionally rabbit is the absolute best meat that you can possibly eat
0: well you said something about your dad grew up that way yeah, yeah. my my
1: family was really budget conscious yeah we're pretty low income i think uh my parents never shared anything about that with me which now i'm like oh i have to learn these things as an adult (laughs) Uh, but and i'm doing all right but um yeah we didn't you know want to spend yeah Yeah. we didn't want to spend every penny on the grocery bill for three kids so my dad well we all did we each had our own that we had to take care of. We had rabbits in large cages in the backyard. They had plenty of room; they, yeah. they weren't like cramped. <laughs> it was no factory farm operation. <laughs> uh, Pastured rabbit, uh, large cages where they could run around, and we would take them out and put them in a big pen in the yard, and they would help mow.
0: Oh, fun! <laughs>
1: and big vegetable garden, and, and then all you eat them. Yeah, there, there's. Can I say something really controversial? Sure. There's a home video of me when I was, like, I think six years old. And my dad was using the camcorder. And I'm sitting there in the rabbit hutches and petting the bunnies and telling them how cute they are and how much I love them. And then I turned to my dad, who's holding the camera, and said, Daddy, when can we eat them? Oh, no. You know, (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> i apologize for the sinister laughter we're just gonna cut right there and then jump back in when we pick back up
1: i generally hide this part of myself because sugar and me you know um but i am genuinely a cookie connoisseur
0: <laughs>
1: okay and this is one of the best cookies i've had in years really Wow! I really only wish I had a glass of raw milk to go with. <laughs> I have. A, uh, <laughs> it's right there. Can I take a cookie home?
0: <laughs> Do you want me to pour you some milk, or no, no? Okay. We, we should. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, now I'm talking with food in my mouth. But mm-hmm. me too. We kind of started it in the middle of a conversation. I made a batch of a double batch, rather, of. Double chocolate cherry cookies with c- cacao powder, chocolate chips, and dried cherries. And they're incredible, and I've been eating them for like a week straight. So. Do you know what you can do
1: with these? Freeze if,
0: them. If for some... Oh, yeah. Or that.
1: <laughs> if for some ungodly reason these don't all get eaten before they go stale. Mm. Dry them out in a low temp in the oven with some oatmeal and you'll have a delicious chocolate
0: granola that's a great idea wow never thought of that i was gonna just flash freeze them and then put them in a freezer bag so i could just like grab one out whenever i wanted it that would be amazing but honestly too. i don't even want to know how many i've been eating a day <laughs> <laughs> it was like first it was just one a day then it was like maybe two a day and then i'm pretty sure today i've had like five i mean they're little maybe i'll help you eat some more they're like a tablespoon and a half of batter so they're, oh, they're smaller small they're perfect little morsels yeah it's like you don't feel guilty eating two or three because Mm-mm. they're so little
1: yeah they're delicious they're like Thank a you. perfect combination between cookie and a brownie Mm -hmm. but they have that like did you put amaretto in them
0: i put uh yeah almond extract
1: okay yeah i was out of
0: vanilla extract when i was baking and i love almond extract anyway i absolutely love almond
1: anything my hands down favorite candy has to be marzipan
0: really oh yeah what are the easiest vegetables slash fruits and vegetables um, to grow for people that are wanting the most bang for their buck to save some money and they're just wanting you know easy easily tended and well-producing plants
1: sure um most of your common garden vegetables are pretty easy with just a tiny little bit of research onto what those plants need um, the biggest thing I, I would say is whatever your favorite vegetable is, try growing your own, and it, you will just fall in love with gardening from then on out. Because however much you may have liked that vegetable before, you will absolutely fall in love with the taste of the homegrown version of that vegetable.
0: Awesome. So... For people that are like, no, seriously, I don't have a green thumb. I have the black thumb that you said it's not possible to have. No, we're all innate gardeners. Like tomatoes, I know, are super easy, right? If you cage them and make sure they have enough water and sun.
1: Tomatoes are pretty easy. I will tell you, I'm going to say the big secret that hardcore gardeners all know, and the garden centers don't want you to know this, tomato cages don't work that well for tomatoes. Hmm. The plants will end up kind of flopping over. Right. And then the tomatoes are hard to harvest. Your best bet for a well maintained tomato plant is either something like a livestock panel type trellis that's just like flat, or um, I've seen lots of people do really really well with just a stick in the ground. Really. Yeah. What you want to do is... So you can still reach everything. You can still reach everything. There's nothing blocking your reach in any way. Um, your plant's not fl- flopping over. It's actually supported. Because tomatoes, when they get those big heavy fruits on them, or when they get all those little ones for the cherry tomato lovers out there... Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and they, they get all those big heavy fruits on them... They they can't quite support themselves because they've been bred to grow a lot of food. They're not bred for plant structure. You know, right. it's not a tree. Although there is such a thing as a tomato tree. That's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it needs a stake. It needs a support. And um, really any straight stick that's long enough will do. Um, and prune your tomatoes, there are people that will say, I'll oh, just let them go. No, if your plant is busy putting all its energy into making more leaves, it's not going to be busy putting its energy into making delicious food for you. So prune your tomatoes for sure. Um, once your plant gets to the size you want it, you can, any little new shoots, just pull those, pluck those right off.
0: Okay. Especially once it starts that.
1: flowering. Um, And there's, it's usually, you know how the there's like a big leaf and then there's a little arm that'll come up that's the part you're going to want to pull off unless it has flowers on it once it has flowers on it you really should leave it because it'll give you tomatoes right Um, but if you pluck it off before it forms flowers then you'll get more of the plant energy going toward
0: fruit right and that goes for any plant right or most plants if you're trying to trim them (laughs) yes and no
1: um, you can definitely with any plant direct its energy into what it, part of it is growing by specific pruning. Um, so tomatoes are the biggest thing that I'm just like prune that thing back to one or two central leaders. Those are your, I, I like one, especially if you're using a steak. Now, if you have a flat trellis, it's growing up against, you can have more, but really one or two central leaders is all you need. You do not, if you have a big bushy tomato plant with lots of branches, that's just a big bushy tomato plant and you're probably not going to get a whole lot of fruit off from it.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Which there's nothing wrong with that. If if you really just love the look of a tomato plant and maybe you like the smell of the leaves, then that's cool. Good on you, you know. Um, if you're after the fruit though, then you... Probably Does it wanna...
0: compromise the flavor too to have more branches,
1: or is it more just a quantity?
0: That's a good question. So,
1: it's a lot about more quantity and quality. So not necessarily flavor, because that's affected by more by watering, which is a different subject. <laughs> but um, it. it it really yeah it really just affects like how many tomatoes you're gonna get okay um now as far as flavor goes once your fruits start to turn noticeably red if that's the color that they're supposed to end up stop watering okay a too well watered tomato tastes like water
0: i think that's what happened to my tomatoes last year
1: I think that's what happened to my tomatoes last year too actually. I was experimenting with the not watering at the end of the season thing and I don't think I got it quite right because I was growing my tomatoes in pots that were just a little bit too small for them Mm. so they needed more frequent watering to stay alive. Gotcha. And so I mean then that's the thing like There are some people that would call me a garden expert. That doesn't necessarily mean I am, but some people
0: do. And uh, I still screw up a lot. Well, that's how you grow. That's how you learn.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's important to be okay with that.
0: Okay, so moving along to when to plant. What is the best time or time of year to plant your garden? So there's not a
1: short answer for that. I'll, I'll keep it as short as possible. It depends on your plant. Um, what you want to do, and I do not by any means recommend sticking strictly to the information on the back of seed packets. It's not all accurate, and you'll drive yourself crazy trying to do that because they're all different. Um, but Generally, the back of your seed packet will give you some information that says something to the effect of days till harvest um, or some similar terminology. Whether it's, you know, radishes are only like 28 days. That's like a super fast crop. Yeah. Um. You, you can plant those any time of year and still get some type of harvest. Nice. Also... Nobody seems to know this, but the greens are edible and really delicious. They are
0: a bit spiky, but if you cook them, the spikes go away. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I just threw away a whole head of radish greens, so... I've done that before. Don't kick yourself. It's biodegradable. It's
1: fine. Um, No, but yeah, so stuff like radishes are super short-term... That's really truthfully the only thing I can off the top of my head remember the harvest time on, but you'll get peppers are like ninety days, right? Yeah, peppers are something like ninety days. But still,
0: with all of these, you want to wait. I mean, radishes, you said any time of year, but most of these you're gonna want to wait until that last frost date, right? Unless you start them indoor. If it's
1: frost tender, which is about half of your veggies are frost tender, so tomatoes peppers cucumbers all, all your summer crops or warm season crops are frost tender and what that means is that if they get frozen they'll die um there's stuff like kale and kohlrabi and um cabbages any cruciferous things. yeah cruciferous vegetables things in the brassica family the majority of that stuff is frost hardy so that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be the happiest if it gets a foot of snow on top of it it might die but it can live through a at least a mild frost even as
0: a seed or
1: as a young seedling typically not that's a super good question um yeah, so you don't want to have your young seedlings out in freezing weather. You don't want to plan out when it's going to be snowing all week or if it's going right. to be below freezing all week. Well,
0: I think most people know to wait till April, May. I think that's... Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think most people do. Actually, I know most people do. Around here, most farmers will tell you not to plant out until after Mother's Day. Um, I am here to tell you that's complete hogwash. You do not need to wait that long you can plant stuff i mean i i have i there's definitely there are definitely lots of things you can start from seed indoors right now yeah and you can plant things out depending on the variety a week or two before the last frost not very many things but stuff like kale um And, you know, you're not, there's no guarantee that it won't be killed by a frost, but it's worth taking the chance to try it and see what happens. Right. Seeds are cheap. You can get a packet of like hundreds of seeds for $2. Yeah. There's no reason not to experiment with that. Absolutely. And a lot of times you can get really great seeds for free. I mean, I know people yeah. do seed exchanges, and there That'd are... Be fun. Oh, yeah. You can... I mean, I'm sure that there's a free online seed exchange happening right now. I don't know where it is, but if you Google it, you'll find something.
0: A fun experiment might, to do, might be uh, when you get your seeds to plant them indoor in a planter and plant them outside before the last frost. And that way, if your outdoor seeds take... Then you can like give babies seeds or like plant absolutely. starters to your friends. Absolutely. And if not, then you can plant them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think fun. that's a great idea. I, I think really the biggest problem, and I mean I'm I sound like a broker broken record saying this, but the biggest problem is that people give up on trying, right? Because they fail once, or maybe they fail or two or fail, three times. Like or, yeah. Well. Yeah. Just fear of failure is
0: potentially crippling and people like to have all the answers before they get started on something too yeah so like well I don't know what I would do or I don't know how to do it and that keeps them from starting absolutely yeah so key takeaway is actually just start dive in
1: Ooh, um don't be afraid to try um
0: let's see Tell us what your perfect garden would look like if you had all the space, all the money to plant (laughs) where and how you wanted, what would you have? If I had all the space
1: and all the money, I would probably spend a a good majority of that money on making my house the way I want it (laughs) 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 because gardening can be free. (laughs) now there there are some pricier garden tools that can be fun to have, but none of them are absolutely necessary. Well, would you build planters? Would you have a greenhouse? Would you have... I would have a greenhouse, yes, absolutely. I would have a greenhouse. As far as building planters go, you know, I really would only do that in a flood zone.
0: So here's the thing, guys. Heidi and I had so much fun that that we got sidetracked quite a bit. And some of our rabbit trails turned into like these major side conversations that were completely irrelevant. And since this episode was already long, I'm trying to condense it down as much as possible. So there may be some segments where in between questions, um, we just totally changed the subject and you're like, how did they get there? We circled back around, but I tried to pick up where it connected the best to what we were going to talk about next so insert another random conversation here
1: because you have like all the most awesome food ideas oh thanks honestly
0: I find good recipes I found recipe developers that I really connect to (laughs) in the food way Um, and I stick to their recipes and I mean I branch out within their repertoire but I know a lot of people just like look on Pinterest for random recipes and that's fine, but everybody has different preferences and taste buds. So when you're constantly getting a recipe from somebody new, there's always like that, you know, is it going to be good or is it going to be a flop? And to you, it may be really good and to somebody else, it's a flop or vice versa. So I found a few bloggers whose recipes like I've never made a bad one or like maybe one out of 15 or 20 we won't love. Um, and so I stick to them and they seem to be big hits because most of the friends and family that I have eat the food likes it too. So, um, yeah, I feel like I just, I found the right people to follow and, you know, have tweaked things here or there, but for the most part. That's
1: awesome. I love that because that's totally the same exact thing that I do with gardening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've i certain people that I follow. Like, I'm reading this book from Charles Dowding. He is, by the way, if you're not familiar with his work, the master of all. Like, he he is the gardening king. Nice. He is not only a really great and prolific author, but he's an amazing market gardener. He doesn't just grow his own food. He grows enough food for, I don't even know how many people buy from him at the farmer's markets he goes to. Right amazing stuff beautiful vegetables um all completely no till no dig it's so much easier you get so many fewer wow. weeds it from the ground
0: too or like planting on he top does of his cardboard. from the
1: ground so well so he does he uses cardboard as a uh <laughs> weed barrier for right. lack of better words um he puts cardboard down kills off all the weeds Piles compost on top of that. Plants directly in the compost. Using his methods, you can plant a garden the same day that you build the bed. Wow. You don't even have to have sides on your bed. You can literally just do it like a pile on the ground. Um, I think that usually he does use like wooden boards as sides initially just to keep the compost in the shape that he wants it, but then he'll remove it six months
0: later. So how soon before you put the compost down and plant do you have to put the cardboard down same day really yeah and the cardboard decomposes in time for the roots to to dig absolutely
1: Um, worms love cardboard by the way and I mean yes I am aware that cardboard does have a few of its mild toxins that you know that's not amazing but it's so effective and so easy that it's worth that because then those things are broken down by the soil life that you're feeding, um, the microbes and fungi and worms just have a huge soil party <laughs> and make it all just a smell from soil that's fed like that. It smells like a for- like a forest floor. Yeah. And it's just, it's wow. it smells really clean and it smells good and inviting. And you when you smell that, you're like, ah, that's, that's what the area where my food is growing
0: should smell like. Yeah. Back to compost. I know that's where we started and we'll kind of wrap up with it too. Um, when you add your compost to your plants as a fertilizer, are you doing like a handful around the root of each plant or what are... How much do you use? How do you spread it out?
1: Well, um ideally you're going to cover the entire surface of your garden in compost before you put the plants on. If you have if you have well-established plants and you feel like you need compost as a mulch, like say you have weeds popping up, mulching the soil's going to help to prevent too much of that. You just pull what's there and put new compost down. Um It also helps hold moisture
0: in. Uh, So, say you don't have compost started yet when you plant your garden, and then, like a few months in the middle of a summer, your compost is ready. Put it down. You try to cover the whole garden still.
1: I would not start a garden without compost. You're because of the weeds. Okay. You want so buy compost then from a local farm. Yeah buy compost if you can. Or if you are really desperate to start a garden right away and you don't have access to compost yet, um, definitely start making your own because it's never too late to do that. But uh, you can also just put cardboard down around your plants and that will help f- to suppress weed growth significantly. Okay. I mean, very, very significantly. You can it's just total night and day difference with weed barrier versus no weed barrier you're yeah the better i'm, I'm to an extent you don't want like a foot of cardboard <laughs> right. in between your plants and your layout of compost um <laughs> that that doesn't sound like a good idea but you know if if you can have like even up to five or six layers of cardboard. Now that seems excessive to me because the last garden that I started, uh, I think I only used like a single, well, I say single layer of cardboard, um, by single layer, I mean like one layer thick, but the parts where the flaps and there if there are holes or tears in the, at all those have to be overlapped you do not want any holes if you have holes in between your pieces of cardboard you will have weeds popping up through them
0: mm, okay so if you don't have access to compost at the beginning of your garden and you're doing it in the ground not in a planter but if you're doing it in the ground do you recommend putting down cardboard and then some sort of potting soil, or do you recommend just planting straight into the ground? If um, – I, I wouldn't mess with potting soil, mostly because that
1: gets too expensive, and if you're going to buy potting soil, then you might as well be buying compost. Um, but if you do have to plant directly into the ground, that is, like, the one instance where I would do a little bit of – broad forking um for people that don't know what a broad fork is uh, it's a garden tool it's got the three little prongy things on it so yeah some have three some have up to 10 it depends on the, the kind that you get um the ones i'm i think the one i used had like six prongs or something like that um basically it looks kind of like a pitchfork Mm -hmm. but it has two handles and you step on top of it to drive the prongs into the ground and then you lean back to bend my parents
0: had one that had four prongs and they were kind of all at an angle so it was like they yeah
1: they're at a little bit of an angle some of them like twist some models have like a little bit of a blade on the front of, of each prong um those are kind of hard to find um if you, if you can't find a broadfork, that's perfectly fine. Most people are working in smaller home-type areas. You can use, like, a... Pitch. We just
0: use, like, a hoe or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you, to...
1: you can use anything to get just a little bit of a shallow till. You don't need a tiller. They're expensive. It's backbreaking work to use one. You'll be pulverizing the soil and all of the life in it, and you're asking for more weeds. Like, I... You know, and that's where people think that I'm telling them they're doing it wrong because I sound like such a hard nosed <laughs> no till. But I mean, really, and if you want to till, that's, you know, that's your prerogative. I don't judge you for that legitimately, but you are creating more work for yourself.
0: Right. And we just thought that that was what you did, we didn't know any better. So we went out of to our way and repaired a tiller, and you know. Oh, it's, yeah, it's <sighs> it's hard work. And then, it's frustrating then to find out you don't really need. to You don't do need that. to. Yeah. Well, it's frustrating, but it should be. What I mean by that, and
1: I really hope that people take it that way too. That, I don't. I don't frustrate anybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, just, I'm, I'm here to be encouraging. the The thing is, like, it should be freeing.
0: Right. You don't have to go through that anymore. Yeah that's the I think it is I think it's people are always like I wasted my time
1: I had a huge blessing because it and it was a total blessing in disguise I felt so cursed by it in the moment but looking back I'm like wow that's I'm so glad I experienced that um I used to garden in a space that did not belong to me and the landowner insisted on disking the field that I was gardening before I was allowed to plant anything. Um, a disc is like a giant tractor version of a tiller, basically. Oh, okay, that's it's it's a little different, but basically it's yeah, giant what farmers use. Yeah, it's what it's what farmers use. It's this big thing that attaches to a tractor. They go over it and it cuts through and turns up the soil. Not exactly the same, but similar to a tiller. Um. and he was also a farmer that lived by the saying that you should never plant anything before Mother's Day, and so it really just arose out of impatience. Like, I wanted spring to come, and I wanted to plant things now. (laughs) I wanted to be surrounded by living things, and I was really frustrated by waiting for him to do that job before I was allowed to plant. And so I started uh, just watching tons of... In, in my anxiousness for spring to come and for me to be able to plant my own garden, I just started watching tons and tons of YouTube videos. And I happened across this lady that was a total amateur at the time, but was really amazing and had beautiful content. Her name is Jessica Sowards. Um, she runs Roots and Refuge Farm. That's whose t-shirt I'm wearing today. Oh, yay. Uh, and she studies Charles Dowding's work too. But she has a really great YouTube channel. She does a lot about her family, and uh, they grow the majority of their own food, which is really cool.
0: awesome. Well, we can share a link to her absolutely her work yeah. so people can find it. Cool. Okay, so I think we've dumped enough information <laughs> on people. We, I think we've covered everything that we set out to cover. We rabbit-trailed a lot, but that's just proof of a great conversation. And hopefully you guys feel the same way and you're not totally annoyed with us. Um, if you have any more questions about gardening, then send them... We can set up a way for them to you to send them straight to Heidi. Just skip me guys. sure. I know nothing. We'll share um, a way to contact her on the show notes and on the blog, and she'll tell you how else you can find her.
1: Yeah, so um, on Facebook, you can find me under the name Heidi Gardens Anywhere the anywhere is important there's an old heidi gardens page that is not in use and my email is heidigrowsfood at
0: gmail.com thank you heidi so much for for joining us today and i if i sound like i'm tired and yawning guys it's like almost midnight so kept you up past your bedtime i know this was so much fun but i'm like <laughs> ex- i'm like Hi, yawning in my <laughs> in the middle of my words I'll come over a little earlier next time, maybe. We tried to start at 8, but it just, we had technical difficulties. And, and I was coming from work. And yeah, we yeah. visited a little bit first, but that's, fun. that's adulting. That's what yeah, happens. It's fun stuff. So, thanks, Heidi. We'll have you back. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.